Does Boba Fett need a couple more chapters in his book, a call from the continuity police, and how to apologize to your neighbors for being too damn loud? All this and more on a brand new How Did This Get Made mini episode. Hit the theme! This is the show you've been waiting for. Yes, less Jason, less June, and instead give me more. Just Paul, just Paul. Well, I want to hear your thoughts on the world and all. Just make it a short one. A mini episode. What's up, dum-dums? It's me. Paul Shear, and welcome to a How Did This Get Made mini episode. This is where I tell you all the things that you need to know for next week's episode, which simply is what movie we're going to be watching. So stay tuned for that. But also we give you a chance to voice your own opinion about last week's episode, which of course was the rom-com classic, Kate and Leopold. I uh, want to make sure that you stick around because Jason Manzukis is joining me in just a little bit. And we're going to talk about Hot TV! Hot TV! Yeah, we're talking about the book of Boba Fett peacemaker a little bit about jack reacher and a teeny tiny bit about ray donovan uh anyway we're gonna break it all down in just a little bit but i also want to make sure that you are tuning in to matinee monday what do you mean tuning in well every monday we are re-releasing an episode from the vault that's right we are putting it back into the stream we've had some classics out geostorm is in the stream right now so check that out if you haven't heard it in a long time uh we re-released the lake house uh a lot of fun episodes rad and you can even check out my youtube channel where i do a little little recap of what was in store in the episode every monday that is out in my youtube page which is easy enough to find just like my name and youtube i don't know how this works but anyway uh thank you quinn Thank you, Quinn, for that amazing opening theme. And I uh, want to let you guys know that we have so much here that I'm not even going to plug anything. This is going to be a plug-free episode. Let's just get right into the helpline because I am here for you. You give me a call at 619-P-A-U-L-A-S-K. That's 619-PAUL-ASK. I answer your questions. Let's go. Hillary Gay, hit the theme. Call 619 619- all right let's get this started with our friend in chicago lillian what do you got hey paul this is lillian from chicago love your show excited to call in So here's the deal. I was in a relationship, a bad relationship. We argued a lot. There was yelling. It was quite dramatic. The relationship is now over. Um, But I'm wondering, I live in an apartment complex, and I'm sure that my neighbors heard me arguing. Part of me wants to buy them, like, a plant or write them, like, a card saying, you know, sorry for all the arguments and slam doors. But um, maybe that's just awkward. I don't need to do that. Uh, Just wondering what's the right thing to do as a conscientious neighbor is. Uh, Thanks for everything you do. And love you so much, June and Jason. All right. Wow. This is a really interesting dilemma. My gut is no. My gut is absolutely not. You do not need to get uh, gifts for anyone in the building. I think it's 
more awkward. I understand that you want them to like not associate you as being, you know, this insane person that lives in the building. But um, I think you can do that just through your presence, just being nice in the hallway, a smile. Um, I think that actually will go a lot longer in a way of like setting you up as someone who is uh, this likable sort. You don't have to apologize. We live in an apartment building. When you live in an apartment building, you hear a lot of shit and you don't even really give it that much thought. But I love that you're there. I say less is more in this scenario uh, unless someone specifically complained. Uh, But no one needs to know your business. You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to get into it. Just change it. And then it will go away and people will forget. That's my that's my two cents. Because I, I, I maybe I'm out of the apartment game for too long. I mean, I wouldn't do it. Um, I've been embarrassed in front of people. I don't apologize for it. Because then it becomes another thing. But again, we already know what I think. Caitlin in Green Bay, what do you got? Hey, Paul. Caitlin from Green Bay with a question for you. Um, my husband, really, really good dad, really good husband, um, just a bleeding heart for our kids. And you can't be mad at that. That's uh, something I love most about him. But he's got this really bad habit lately of buying them any old stuffed animal that they see at the gas station or the diner or whatever it is they may be, um, he'll get it for them. And now it just feels like we have a bunch of stuffed animals and we're like drowning in them. And, you know, maybe that's, his love language, I would never say, no, you can't buy that for a kid. How dare you? However, I'm on the other side of it with this, all this stuff. Um, what do you do? What do you do? Thanks, Paul. Ooh, I like this. All right, we have one bad relationship, one great relationship. Um, Caitlin, here is my, uh, my thought. Let him get the stuffed animals. But here's the thing. Throw them the fuck out. Okay. Whenever my kids are at school, away at a play date, I am running around the house with a garbage bag and loading it up. I am putting shit in there. They don't recognize it. They don't, they don't realize it. I know what they play with. They don't see it. And if you're telling me you're overwhelmed with stuffed animals, they are not, unless they are really playing with it or they're eagle-eyed, they're not going to notice. So, let him buy his stuff. Let him give him that that moment, that, that little piece of his love language, and then throw it away. Throw it away. You will feel so good. I, I swear, when June and the kids left the house, when June went to go shoot that movie, the first call I made was to like a, uh, a U-Haul-It junk person. And I just, I went to town. And can I tell you something? No one saw anything missing. They didn't see a goddamn thing missing. So that's what I say, Caitlin. Let your husband do his thing, and then you do your thing, which is trash it. But, you know, give it enough time so they forget about it. All right. Thank you for your calls. And remember, call us anytime at 619-PAULS. That's 619-PAUL-ASK. All right. And if you want to make theme songs like Hillary Gay did for this or the way our friend Quinn made a song for this, you can just send it over to howdidthisgetmade at earwolf.com. 30 seconds or less is a great place to be. 15 seconds or less is an even better place. Uh, So send them in and we will play them. 
And now, let's hear another one because we are preparing for a little section we like to call Corrections and Omissions. And Brandon, Abella, what do you got? If you got a correction Or you got an omission You got permission To make your own decisions Corrections and All right. Thank you, Brandon. We have culled through dozens of voicemails and hundreds of how did this get made messages on our Discord. If you have not visited our Discord, you can go to discord.gg slash HDTGM. We have an amazing group of people there having conversations all the time. Also on mine. I'm a big Discord fan. I'm a fucking partner at Discord now. So go to discord.gg slash Paul Shear. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's fun social media. Um, anyway, my Discord isn't just all about me. It's become an amazing community uh, where there is conversation about everything. And How Did This Get Made has equally great conversations going on. Uh, all right, here we go. On the Discord, Dr. Guts 1003 writes, I had some real issues with the hospital that Stuart is staying in. This is, of course, Leah Shriver's character from uh, Kate and Leopold. First of all, when Stuart is trying to make a phone call and getting angry at the nurse, she injects something into his IV to calm him down. Nurses do not administer medication without doctor approval. All right, well, Dr. Guts, I, I, how do you know that the doctor didn't, like, say, hey, if he acts up, give him some of this. Uh, you know, maybe there is, maybe he was on, uh, you know, I don't think that she just like got that out of a, you know, like, I don't think she's carrying around like a sedative, but maybe she is. I don't know. Again, like we said, those were uh, funny scenes or I should say comedy scenes with a capital K. Uh, then you had Spalding Gray, psychiatrist who's holding sessions with a patient in a room that doesn't seem very private considering that the nurse is sitting outside the door and can clearly hear everything that's being said. Well, okay. It seems to me that he's in like, like uh, an Arkham Asylum, like he's in like a prison psychiatric hospital. And sorry that I only referenced a Batman one. <laughs> I'm a fucking idiot. But uh, yeah, I mean, she seems to have a crush on him anyway. She like she it's problematic. You're right. It is problematic. But I, I do believe that, uh, you know, this nurse gets him. And this nurse actually helped him. And maybe the nurse is the only one who believed in him. So I agree that I thought the more inappropriate thing this Balding Gray was doing was eating grape nuts uh, while having a session. I've been to therapy many a time and no one's ever eaten grape nuts. I mean, uh, Fruit Loops, sure. Grape nuts. It's too messy. Side Casey, what do you got? The timing of the last sequence does not work. Liev realizes that Meg Ryan is supposed to have always visited the past because he sees her in one of the pictures he took. But when Meg arrives in the past, she enters the house after Liev had already left. So when did he get that picture? There needed to be a scene where he and Meg are in the same room in 1876. Cy Casey, I like that. I think that was maybe addressed in the deleted scene because in the deleted scene, she was in the opening of the film. Like... When he took the picture, she was there, but I think they kind of just flip-flopped it because it seemed too crazy that she was already there because she was supposed to be in the past. Again, time travel does not make sense in this movie. Uh, DCA writes, when Breckenmeyer tells him to wait until Kate is awake to see him to start the dishwasher, Leopold mentions, ah, the proverbial tree in the woods. The question of the tree falling in a forest was imposed in writing until 1883 in some literary magazine in WNY... 
I don't know what that is, WMY. And it didn't really approach its present form until uh, 1910. Leopold is from 1876. Well, look, we talked about that, DCA. They referenced Jack the Ripper. Like, Leopold has knowledge. Maybe Leopold has quantum leaped a few times here. Um, So I, I, again, I think everyone's pointing out some stuff, but I think we need to up our corrections and omissions here. And I think we're going to get some of those right now because a lot of you called and wrote in about Otis Elevator. So let's check in with the continuity police. All right, people, let's go to the phones. Hello, is that the continuity police or even the time cops would do? This is Clive from London here. I need to report the film Kate and Leopold for two infringements to add to the ones picked up by the How Did This Get Made gang this week. Elisha Otis introduced the first safety passenger lift at a convention in 1854, and the first passenger lift was installed in 1856 in New York, 20 years before the film is supposed to happen. One second of research online told me this. It also told me that they got the correct number of stars on the American flag at the Brooklyn Bridge scene, so why so many other mistakes in this film when they can get some things right? Also, the picture that Kate sees of herself appears to have been taken by Schreiber at the dance, but she doesn't arrive in 1876 to the house after Schreiber has already left and Jackson was going to announce his wife, so she wouldn't have been photographed. Obviously, a gross continuity issue there for the CP to clear up. Perhaps it could be the start of the sequel, where she has to go back to stop herself marrying Leopold for some reason. Thank you for all the hard work you are doing. Clyde, please, everyone, look at what just happened there. That was the best phone call that we have ever had. I want everyone to be calling as a member of the CP. All right, the continuity police. Holy shit. Clyde, you went over a couple things we already talked about, but because you did it so well, I feel invigorated by your points. I love it all. Holy moly. I have nothing more to say than, yes, you're right, this movie did not research a goddamn thing. It felt like it just picked... It... It... It's weird because a lot of that, I think, falls on the shoulders of... Well... Actually, what I think is happening is you have great set design people who are making the flag and you have people who are writing the script who are not doing that research. And I don't think that the set design people or, you know, production design is communicating with the script department. And that's why you're getting that kind of difference. That's my gut. Uh, But that was amazing. Everyone should call like Clyde. All right, Kyle, what do you got? Paul, hi. I just finished Kate Leopold. This is Kyle from San Diego. And... I really wanted to call in and talk about the Otis Elevator Company, so I looked it up, and I found out that the Otis Elevator Company was invented in 1853, which is 20 years before Leopold has even gone back in time. It just seems so much crazier that now, like, you're talking about they were missing pieces. This is a huge piece. How could they miss that? That's just absurd. I just thought you'd like to know that. Bye. Amazing. Yes. I mean, how could you fuck that up? The one thing that we need, the one thing that we need to know, just put it back a couple years. God damn it. It's so easy. So easy to make that fix. Like, that's infuriating. Like, straight up infuriating. Like, 
Fuck this movie for that. Fuck it. Like, that, that is some lazy-ass bullshit. And this movie came out in 2000. You could Google it. Or maybe you could ask Jeeves it. I don't know. By the way, Clyde, I want to go back to Clyde for a second. Not only did I love his phone call, but I love his idea of a sequel that Kate has to go back to save herself from making this decision that was incredibly rash. She's going back to a time without medicine. Bring fucking Leopold to the future or get back and forth. I don't know. Make it like a long distance relationship, like a long, like a time distance relationship. Anyway, back to the discord. Uh, Bolo Nomadic writes, Paul suggested that Meg Ryan's character should have brought back margarine to the 1800s. However, margarine was illegal in Canada and many American states, if not all the states until, uh, Oh, actually, from the late 1800s into the middle 1900s is really quite fascinating, but it was due to the power of the dairy industry. Even once it became legal, it was illegal to dye it yellow, an insult used to be telling someone that they ate margarine because it meant they couldn't afford butter. Wow. Let's make a movie about that and I'll win an Academy Award. All right. May Contain Wild Ride writes, of course, there's another movie involving Hugh and Liev running around both in the 1800s and present day. And it is X-Men Origins Wolverine. Wait, what? Right. You're right. You're right. Oh, my gosh. Yes. All right. Uh, Maybe those two were secretly James and Victor all along. Do you think? Do you think it's possible this is part of the MCU? Oh, I would only hope. I would only hope. All right, so many great uh, corrections and omissions this week. But we know who the winner is. I mean, without a doubt, we know that the winner this week is Clyde, who is setting the tone for the way that I want every call to be. Tyler Mann, give him a theme. Fuck. You win. And as always, Clyde, you win nothing, but you get that amazing theme for just one week only. That is your theme. You can't sell it. It's like an NFT, though. It was for you in this moment. You have it. Tell all your friends. We'll be right back right after this. All right. You know how it is. We are still in a pandemic. Things are getting better. People are going out. But Jason and I are still watching a lot of shit. And it is now time for some good old fashioned core chat. Jason, Paul. welcome back. Here we go. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, let me bring one thing up to you right away. Go. There seems to be an energy online that people don't like the Boba Fett show, and I really like the Boba Fett show. Where do you fall on the I, Boba Fett show? Okay, so here's how I feel. I feel I am of. I'm very mixed. I feel like the show is kind of two shows Mm -hmm. there is the tatooine based boba fett um crime lord show yes right and then there is like two and a half episodes that are din jaren the mandalorian grogu and luke yeah yes and i felt like and by the way another show which is the prequel boba fett show the flashbacks you mean yes yeah 
Agree. So, so for me, here's what I'll say: the flashbacks where we get Boba Fett living with the Tuscan Raiders in the in the desert, awesome show. Yeah. The the show that is the continuing adventures of Din Djarin and Grogu, where we see Ahsoka yeah. and Luke. I loved all of that. It gave us such amazing connections to yes. all the other Star Wars properties. It it, it fo- moved forward the the Din Djarin, the Mandalorian and, and Grogu relationship and set us up great for season three of The Mandalorian. This The stuff that it was just Boba Fett fighting the Pikes for control of Mos Espa, I was not that compelled by. I okay. found it to be kind of boring. The the mods on scooter bikes, the the stuff that felt a little, for lack of a better term, spy kidsy. Um, um, yeah, and this is also done by Robert Rodriguez. So exactly, interesting. which is you know, why I, I mention him. But uh, but John Favreau, I think, had a, a heavy hand in right. He definitely wrote. Oh, he the wrote finale. almost all of them. I believe all of them. Right? Yeah. Uh, here's my issue. I don't disagree with that. Um, I still, by the way, still enjoyed the show. Yeah, you know, I enjoyed I, I the enjoyed hell out it week of it. to week. Here's the thing. That I felt they messed up the middle. If the middle being the like, I'm going to call it the Tony Soprano storyline. Sure. Because that's what I want. Like, I don't mind a mafia story. Star Wars. Like, I fully let agree. Ex- let it well, and there's all out. these connections to like the Godfather movies. There's all these homages yes. to the Godfather movies. There's all these like, there's all these moves that they're making that are direct kind of like, te- they're telling you we're telling like basically the Godfather 2. You 100%. Know? And I feel like what they didn't really do is like, I think they could have let it go for another season because what it came to, and again, spoiler alert if you've not seen Boba Fett, is. These two fucking robots from well, Phantom Menace? Yeah. I mean, that's it? That's what, I, what we get? For me, I a little bit was like, here. here for me, large, big picture, I didn't understand. Here, Okay, let's just back up a step. Boba Fett, for, I'm sure for you, for me, yeah. for our generation, was the coolest character. Yes. You know, he had like whatever it is. Six lines in the totality of the movies. Yes. You know what I mean? Like he had no, he had basically no lines. He was on this cool armor. He was an action figure that looked so great. It was such an incredible character that we'd bu- we'd spent so much time imbuing with badass kind of uh, um, intentions and a background that we we all imagined was incredible. He's the g- greatest bounty hunter in the universe. And when we get him here, I didn't understand what he wanted. Other than to be, he comes in at the end of Mandalorian season two, he kills Bib Fortuna, and he's like, I'm the daimyo now. Oh, okay. Yeah. But then what, like, to what end? Like, to, what is and he? And what, and like, what is, because, and this is where I have a problem with a lot of it. It's like, he's mad at Jabba? Who? Who's the why bad is he guy? Mad at, like, why is he mad at Jabba? And like, because like, why come in and kill Bib Fortuna? Because he wasn't the reason that you I ended don't up in the know Sarlacc what his belly? motivations are at all. Well, and and I think like there's a little bit of like old manness to him. Like yep. you know, he never seemed as cool as I wanted him to be. Completely uh, agree. Especially at the end when they have, you know, they have uh, him and uh, the Mandalorian kind of, you know, like oh yeah, like fighting side by side. That was cool to see, but you don't really even see that. But like he just seems like I don't if, know. I, yeah, there's something felt, about him. if yeah, he it felt like. Instead, it felt like they wanted to tell Godfather 2, but actually we're doing Godfather 3. 
You know what I mean? Uh, like a yes. story about an old man instead yes. of a story about a young man on the rise well, or and, up and coming and taking over and then flashing back to a period in history in the past where he learned X, Y, and Z lessons, blah, and, blah, blah. And not to be like too uh, inside baseball here, but the show felt to me like someone pitching me the show of Boba Fett. Like, oh, and then right. this will happen and this will happen. So everything felt small. Like, I love the introduction of Cad Bane, the Holy real. Shit. Whoa, I amazing. out. I f- when When the dark figure appeared on the horizon, I screamed, that's Cad Bane. And, like, l- proceeded to lose my entire mind. Uh, and Cad Bane, uh, you know, we've only seen him animated so far. And what they did, was, which I thought was so cool, is they used the same voice actor. Say So good. So, so good. Um, Cad Bane, for people who don't know, is a character from the animated Clone Wars series. Uh, he's in Bad Batch as well. And he is like the Star Wars kind of best, he's bounty, ha- best bounty hunter ever. Like yeah. most ruthless, most brutal, most badass. We've seen him take on Jedis. We've seen him take on everybody and win. And he's he's incredible. So to have him in live action was electric. Uh, same to have a scene... I thought it was, I was on my feet freaking out to have a scene between Ahsoka Tano, Anakin's Padawan, Mm -hmm. and Luke Skywalker, Anakin's son, who only knew him as Darth Vader, and have them talk to each other about Anakin Skywalker. That was mind-blowing. I was like, I want all of this. This is, this feels so interesting to me and impactful in a way that, like, Boba and Fennec Shand, like, doing, like, a, okay, the Trandoshans control this, the water, pe- you never, know, the Aqualisha over got, here. Like, I just never got, like, why I, like, I just think it's a way more interesting thing to be, like, it's, the, like, bringing order to Moss Espa is, like, well... Isn't it more fun to make it this town where like he's trying like he's a sheriff trying to keep order sure. and they, there's little battles that you're winning, but you're not like basically they beat these two robots, which are also to me like I don't even feel in a, I'm not connected to these robots. And if they had these robots, why didn't they send these robots down to Endor? I, I, I agree. Mean, and also like if if and why why let these why let the why let the um, battle be fought? In Mos Espa, where it's destroying all the of the buildings and where people live. Like when Boba Fett says, like, let's go out to the palace and stand, have our stand be there. Yeah. Uh, that makes absolutely the most most sense in terms of collateral damage. Oh, I mean, you know? when they released the Rancor monster, it, like the, it, which was awesome. I mean, this is, I think, Great. the problem with the show is like. It is awesome and it's equally infuriating because it's sort of like, well, you just you're racing by shit. Like, yes. it, like even like I, I love that they brought back a Cobb Vanth, who is Timothy Oliphant's character. Great. Like, you know, and it's OK, cool. And then they have that little post credit tag scene where they're like, OK, well, he's in the back to tank now. You know, all right. So there's more. But but it's sort of like it was like I feel like setting the table, but also trying to like wrap it up. At but the same, also it was like, it forcing dessert down your throat. Yes. You know like, what I mean? Yes. You it know, was it's like, like, here's a great meal. Oh, too late. Finish Just it, eat finish this it. quick. Yeah. Have the sweets and get out of here. And, I, um, and I, I think that that's like why you're right. Like, I think the Mandalorian storyline was so nice because it was like, oh, we get to go back in this world. It's a little bit slower. We get to see a little bit more of what's going on. We're connected to these characters. And I don't mind the CGI, Luke. I really don't. I know people have like issues the, with it. The last time around, I thought it was not good. It was very distracting. Yeah. And interestingly, I there's one of the podcasts that I was listening to was talking about it. They there a guy after Mandalorian season two's finale did oh, a deep fake yeah. online yeah, yeah, yeah. that was better, and Lucasfilm hired that guy 
to do the Luke for this show. So they hired a guy who was like, I did it better. Look. And they were like, great, you're hired. Um, And it looked and I, I, I will say it looked much better. You and know? I'm sure they'll go back and fix it on uh, yeah, which the would be smart of them. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But that but, stuff I loved, yeah. like those the the Mandalorian kind of 2.5 season where yeah. we see Din Djarin. I loved it. what was so cool. Again, like we've spent so much time on Tatooine that I'm like a li- I was a little bit inside of Boba Fett. Like, okay, cool. But like I've been on this planet so much, and you're not giving me much new and interesting stuff, except for Black Chrysanthemum, who's like again one of my favorite characters I love that from character. the expansion. By the way, I also like Jennifer Beale's character. I like that, that world. And then they like I blow couldn't believe her they blew up. it up. And but like, like I love that like in the Mandalorian section, we see this like like the 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 world that exists as an yes. arc in this in space. Yeah. Like that's that whatever city that is called, that was really cool. You see the lush forest uh, where Luke's temple is being built, where Grogu is. You like I was like, oh right, give me more worlds. Give me more let me explore more. That was so much more interesting and and the mythology they give you about the Mandalorian stuff was cool. And Darksaber, I loved all the Darksaber stuff and how he can't really wield it and he hurts himself with it and all that stuff. Great. Overall, I guess what I feel like it felt like, and you would be a more of an expert than I would in this, is it felt to me like a mediocre Star Wars novelization. It was uh-huh. like it gave me enough stuff that I was like, oh, I really like that. That's cool. And we're totally and you're setting up all this sort of stuff. But it wasn't like. And look, Favreau is writing them, so he as the secret oh, yeah. sauce and Dave and Filoni, Filoni is in it. there you know, and, they, and, I, and they, I think that Robert Rodriguez there. does a great job directing them they look cool like they're well, cool I, I oh, wait, think, I, see okay so oh, yes. for me like the Bryce Dallas Howard one and the Dave Filoni one oh yeah are those by two far the best better looking like the yeah, the Robert right. Rodriguez ones feel and not for nothing they just feel a little bit smaller and they feel a little bit like like I felt like when I saw the the Bryce Dallas Howard, the Mandalorian focused episodes. I was like, this. They put all the money in here. All well, the but, money is on yes. this. Is in these episodes. I and I do like. think that there is something. That's a tricky thing too, because I feel like, it, just from knowing everything I know about TV, like that's a crapshoot, right? Yeah. Because it's sort of like, oh, right. Bryce Dallas Howard got the Mandalorian episode, amazing, and yes. Dave Filoni got the other Mandalorian episode, totally. You know, um, and then. Yeah, so it is like this kind of... It's tough. I mean, and I'm not trying to like, uh, you know, come down hard on it or anything because I thoroughly enjoyed the show, but... It was like, you know, for Boba Fett's own show, it didn't quite land because I really at the end of the day was like, what does Boba Fett want? It's unclear to me. And at the end of the show, I was like, he basically is like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. <laughs> he wants I was like, like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, because it's like the other thing is like what like he came in to bring order to like it, it, yeah, to it, what? You know, like what? Like why? What's, it's not even like he's not even trying to protect Tatooine as a planet. No, he's trying to protect like Mos Espa, not not Mos Eisley, not Mos Pelgo, not a, a unity of all of them, but yeah. just Mos Espa. And I was like, I don't get what his. I don't get what his game is. Um, you know, he's neat. He seems to be. Except, I loved all the stuff in the flashbacks. You know, in the right. back to tank, I loved all that stuff where he comes out of the Sarlacc and the Tuscans take him in, and all of that I thought was really cool. But yeah, then, you know, the Tuscans get killed, like, and I, I was shocked, and I was like, I don't like this. Like, I, I wanted either some of them to live or uh, something to happen, but it's just like they, they, yeah, they get killed. They, yeah, and it's like I will say this: some of the things I did like, uh, 
and this is a lot of Mandalorian stuff. I love they got that N1 Starfighter from uh, so cool. from, from the, Naboo. You know, Naboo. Yeah. Uh, and it also makes so much more sense to me. Like now that I know, you know, now that we understand these characters, it's like, yes, the, the Slave One ship that Boba Fett had uh-huh. uh, doesn't seem to me like a stealth ship of a like a bounty hunter right sure. it, like it, it just feels bulky and fat uh whereas oh like him and this new ship it's like yeah oh like, you mean like, mandalorian not boba oh, so, fett oh, you mean sorry. yeah yeah yes. yeah yes, sorry. no 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 because boba fett had slave one and, and oh, the yes. mandalorian had, had um mandalorian, the other ship but the, the other ship the razor had crest, like which yeah, also razor crest, was yeah. which is also another big ass bulky oh like, yeah you know but, that, but now what's interesting i feel like they're telling us by showing us oh he's now flies this fast ship that has no storage he's not going to be a bounty hunter anymore you right. know what i mean like he has no storage to for for the bounties so it's like what what's going to come up in season well, 3 I think of mandalorian he's going to have to come back and fight for his spot and, in mandalore right yeah I, I feel like what season 3 of the mandalorian is going to be is the fight for mandalore and and he's going to go up against you know it's going to be allies against each other because yeah. Katie Sackhoff's character, um, you know, has a, a, a complete she used to wield the dark saber um, and and her sister was the Duchess Satine, who, who and we already Mandalore know peaceful is, times. Like, yeah, we know that that's like, there's a lot of I think what they're trying to do is Marvel and Star Wars are both attacking TV in a very interesting way. Overall, like they're telling these stories. Some are feeding it like I think the Marvel way is like we're going to give you this in-between time that will lead into a movie, right? So the Doctor Strange into the multiverse is going to be better because of WandaVision. Yeah, yeah, know, And and I think that, like, all these things are going to feel like they're independent, but yet they add, like, a flavor to a movie. You don't need it, but it... Like Ant-Man and the Wasp will benefit from having had Kang introduced in Loki. Absolutely. And it's like, so everything will feel... But it's not essential, you know? And you don't have to have. Exactly. And I think that where Star Wars is going is Star Wars is kind of laying out a, a continually interconnected story, which is away from Skywalker to a certain extent. Obviously, he's in this one, but but it, it's not it's acknowledging that he is that he is a power in this world. And I yes. think that that's good to know, but he's not the forefront. And it is. And I think what they're trying to do is like open it up and continually open it up. So you would almost every season is going to maybe feel like we're now going to check in on Boba Fett during the Mandalorian season. And then we're going to go sure. over here and like so you can kind of start to pop in wherever you want. And it's sort of like this, I think using yeah. it's very smart of them. I think like they're, the gonna, they're using the Mandalorian as a launching pad for all of these other characters. You know, inside right. of the Mandalorian, we meet Ahsoka Tano. Inside right. of the Mandalorian, we meet, you know, this version of Boba Fett, you know, and we kind of spin them off into their own shows. And who else might we see in in those kind of ways? And I, I suspect we're going to see Dr. Afra established oh, probably so. first in a show. Um, you know, she is oftentimes partnered with Black Chrysanthemum, who we've already met. So that potential is out and there. People are I think. saying that Cad Bane is not dead. There's I would lot love of, it. Yeah. I would love it if Cad Bane wasn't dead. I guess the the ending was based on a Dave Filoni 
um, series of uh, animated scripts that he wrote for a Boba Fett versus Cad Bane big like four episode fight that ended in Boba Fett killing Cad Bane for Clone Wars that never got done. So I think this was a nod to that that abandoned storyline. Yeah. Um, But I would love for Cad Bane to still be alive because he's just such a great character. I love. I mean, yeah, you can't introduce like the marquee character and get rid of him. I mean, it's like it. uh, And he's basically like Lee Van Cleef in like the the Sergio Leone uh, spaghetti westerns, you know. Um, And then speaking of like, there's a lot of good TV on. I know a lot of people have been asking you and I to do just simply a a podcast about Jack Reacher, which uh, I'm I'm in on and I'm enjoying and I'm taking my time on it. I'm not racing through it. I'm done. I fucking crushed it. I I loved Reacher. I I read that book and I and I'm like, that's interesting. Yeah, I read the book a while ago, and so. The first episode, I was like, why is this so familiar? I was like, oh, I read this. That's why. Oh, cool. And, okay, I've and, never uh, read any of them. Oh, they, they are like super fun books. Yeah. Lee Child writes a great like And there's page like 20 turner. something of them. Oh, and, and, and you know minimum. I just found out Lee Child, I was on uh, former guests of our show, Andy Greenwald and Chris Ryan's show, The Watch, to oh, yeah. talk about Reacher. And they told me what I hadn't known is that Lee Child... Is a is a pseudonym for a British man who writes these books. <laughs> what? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. My and mind writes is like writes like one book a year for Jack Reacher for oh, this yeah. character or something no, like it, that. Like, uh, it's crazy. How yeah. Prolific. He. You know. He. Um. It, like I remember when I first started. Uh. Yeah. Jack Dover Grant is his name. Um, Interesting. Yeah, the uh, when I first started reading Jack Reacher, I was like, "Where do I begin?" Because it's yeah. it's overwhelming, um, and and so somebody gave me uh, this book, the 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 series, first series, and it was a great choice. Uh, it's but- a bl- I think the show is fucking fantastic. You know, it is exactly the kind of show that like hits my sweet spot of. You know, it feels like it is an elevated version of like a Magnum PI. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it's a mystery. It's a detective show. Um, but every episode has really well done fight sequences or action sequences, car chases. Like it feels like a good, solid meat and potatoes detective show. This guy, Alan Richson, who's the the lead, is so fantastic. I, I think and so him. charismatic while doing so little because the whole thing, I guess, about Jack Reacher is that he's a man of very few words. I really liked the choice not to make him quippy like that opening of the first episode. You're like, oh, wow. And they really take it slow. And it's like by the end of the episode, you love it. Like it's it's like like, and I I think that's such a good point. Um, Yes, he's not a wisecracking. There's no they're not trying to make jokes, which I like, but it's also not like dour or no. downcast or anything like that. It's just good detective story. And it's like they're everybody's really, they also, all those actors I think are terrific. Everybody they surround him with mm-hmm. is really good. So, you know, you've got a great list of like character actors rounding out this story and it's pretty fucking great. I really, I enjoyed the hell out of it. It's really fun. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to continue to watch. I really, really like it. And that, and, uh, And I will say, too, 
You know what's kind of fun about that guy? It's Alan what Rickson. I wish the Jack Ryan show was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's what I that Jack Ryan show also on Amazon, just for because I don't think we said it, yeah. reaches on Amazon. Also on Amazon, it just doesn't land right. And I'm like, no, I want it's what I want Bosch to be. You know, it's what I right. want like all of these kind of procedural. So I have not kind watched Bosch, but people yeah. love Bosch. People the, love Bosch. Is people it not, love Bosch. And I've, I've tried been, it. Okay. And it's fine. It's good. It's it's not bad at all. Titus well over it's but it's very it's just not i feel like reacher nails the tone that all those shows wish they were doing as well as reacher is uh, you know yes um, it bosch feels a little bit per, like heightened or performative in a way that i feel like reacher or, and same with jack ryan a little bit they're just not as fun well, this is what i'm you know? hoping you know this is what i'm hoping that when ed brubaker gets to make his uh, you know, yeah. the movie Reckless. version. Yeah. Of Reckless. Yeah. We'll get a little bit of that same idea because I think it That's feels exactly similar. It. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, like that, that is interesting to know. I, uh, the other show I've been wanting to check out, this is just a, a full di- digression and no one's talking about this, but uh, Cody and I were talking about this is, um, is, did you ever see the Ray Donovan show with Liev Schreiber? Um, I watched, I think I watched the, maybe the first episode when it came out and his Boston accent was not very good. So I think I abandoned it. Okay. I have to watch it. Wait, he's Bostonian. I thought he was like an LA, I thought he was like an LA Michael Clayton. He is. He's a fixer in LA, but he's from Boston. Okay. I gotta, I gotta check it out. Cause they just said like the, the movie. I'm like, why haven't I watched this? And some people, again, there's a lot of like love for that character. And I'm like, all right. Uh, another no, one no, of those, people yeah. love that show. People, these are all like the for me. Reacher scratches the same itch that Yellowstone does. It's like dad mm. TV. Yeah, it's like it's it's TV made by dads for dads. I yeah, feel like. but 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 also not like um, but not like uh, like CSI or NCIS. No, and I feel no, like, no. And I think that that's kind of the the tricky thing is like, how do you walk that middle ground? Like that that uh, you know, of giving you like giving you. That it feels cool, like a born movie, but it doesn't feel, uh, but it has like the procedural things that we like, yes. like from the Magnum and all that kind of shit. Yeah, like, which is what, which is to me what's really fun about it is like Reacher works because it's a detective show, but he's such a badass that there are action set pieces that they execute really well. Yes, you know, um, and that's what I feel like Yellowstone really does well as well. Like that's you know, but it's I mean Yellowstone is also. You know, it's a Taylor Sheridan show, so it's the same guy that did that made Hell or High Water, Wind yeah, River, oh, all I these. So, those, yeah. so he's got like that. The and Costner's fantastic. Every all the actors are great. Like it's really uh, like Yellowstone just is a, a really. I think you know it, it's it's a it's a wild show. That's but the other it, one I got to really kind of get into. Uh, I would get into that before I got into like Bosch or um, yeah, Liev, that's the one that Schreiber, I got. Out, like, what, yeah. what's it called again? Uh, Ray, Ray yeah, the, the people have been saying like and. It's been like uh, not bugging me, but it's like I was I was like, well, I have Paramount Plus, I can watch there. It's like, no, you actually can't watch. Yeah, it's it on Paramount. I was like, I gotta find. It. I'm just gonna buy it on iTunes. Uh, and then just to kind of round out our 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 TV talk, our hot TV talk, because hot good talk, hot TV, uh, Peacemaker. 
uh, which so good. I've been loving. I think I am caught up. I am. Tim, this week is the last episode. So just so uh, yes, if you're listening yeah. on uh, if you're listening on Friday, we're not going to spoil anything because the finale comes out. We're recording this before the finale comes out. We so don't, we know, don't anything, know how the show ends, but we do know it's picked up for season two, which I is just exciting. Yeah, which is exciting. Uh, uh, I like that. Our friend I mean, Steve Ag is just so funny on it. He's great. Um, I think. Uh, I think. Uh, I think John Cena. This is my favorite John Cena performance. I think on anything. You know, it's so funny. It's like there. I've seen him in so many. I I, I liked him. I actually I liked him in Blockers. I I was gonna say Blockers in this, but I think what I like about uh, what I like about this over Blockers in not Blockers the movie, but the performance is it's playing both parts of him, right? Like in, in Blockers, he's just a dad. Right. And this like he is playing into his body and, oh, totally. you know, and it's yes. like you're utilizing him in a way. There's a way in which his like the it's an it's a, it's the same as Schwarzenegger. It's the same as The Rock. Mm-hmm. If they're called upon to be an ordinary person in the world, you're like, well, wait a minute. Then why does your body look like this? why aren't we calling out that you have a giant like you're you are that, pecked out that yeah. you are clearly somebody who needs to spend six hours a day in the gym like you, yes. you're not a guy who goes to an office and you look like this. This yes. just doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. Versus the peacemaker for Cena is an opportunity for him to lean into his body and his physique and his like size, but also be very funny. Like, I mean, very but funny. I also think what I think that the, the show does really well. And I think, you know, I'm a fan of James Gunn and I love Guardians. And I think Guardians is like a brilliant like departure from the Marvel world, but also fully in the Marvel world. But I think what he does so well is when he can go full on R and mm-hmm. do weird shit like this show is dark oh, and yeah. and you buy these moments whether it's like him playing the piano or him going back to his like his origin story which totally. again if you've not seen it we won't spoil it but like and and who his dad is and well, what his the, dad yeah. does it's like wow i haven't seen this in a live action show well, what, uh, what movie what i feel or TV like now. james gunn is doing really well and he does this inside of Guardians as well, but to a more PG-13 degree, Yeah, is like he's not afraid to like let his characters be emotionally messy, mm-hmm. you know, emotionally d- like distraught or ruined. And in this case, by delving into Peacemaker's past and his dad and all the stuff you just mentioned, he's allowing for a very rich depiction of a character who, who otherwise... In just like Suicide Squad, you would think of as a one note thing. Well, that's he's it. just like, an idiot assassin, you know. Ag came on the show that Hubel and I do on Twitch, and he was like, "Yeah, James really wanted to be like, well, we know he's an asshole, but why is? But he why? An yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's what's yeah. really fun about it. Kind of to juxtapose it with what we were saying is like, I don't know why Boba Fett is acting the way he's acting, mm-hmm. you know, but I know exactly why. Peacemaker is doing what he's doing. Like, and I, I also get would it. argue, like, there's something, and I think it was in both versions of Peacemaker, you know, the Suicide Squad movie and this, that is inherently sweet, but he's a meathead, right? Yeah. Like, there's like, there's that part of it too. It's totally. like, it's not just like, oh, he's an asshole. It's like, oh, he's just like, a jock who yeah. can have like a bullying tendency, but also he's an is idiot. Dumb. Raised raised yeah. by a monster. Yeah. You know, raised by a monster. He's an idiot who thinks he's doing the right thing, but is not. Yeah. And, you know, his whole story is about kind of getting perspective on who he is and why he is the way and, he is. And this dude playing vigilante, uh, uh, Freddie Stroma, 
um, is like incredible. I think, I think he steals the whole show um, yeah. and everybody on it is great. Uh, you know, but he, I was like, who is this guy? He was great. Yeah. He really like popped in and just, it's such a fun, it's look, it's a, it's a room where everybody who's talking are like, oh, this character's great. This character's great. And it just kind of yep. keeps on flipping. Uh, and yeah. And like, he really has, I mean, good, made me good ensemble. Yeah. Good ensemble, great, great ensemble. Really fun, really funny uh, writing, really funny. You can tell they're improvising um, and, and having fun. And that stuff is making it in. You, I you think- know what feels good about it too? And again, not to be like so inside baseball, it just feels like there's a freedom of like, no one's giving me notes on this and I'm going to yeah. make whatever the fuck I want the way I want to make it. And it's like, and it has like an energy that feel like you don't see that on TV that much. Like it's in film. I, yeah. I, but yes. like TV, it just feels like we're going to have a two minute long scene where we're talking about a band. Yeah. And I'm and, like, and, Great. And, and it's, and the band is like LA guns. Yeah. You know, we're going to talk about bands. It's not like, these aren't like it. What I like about it too, exactly what you're saying is, I feel like Marvel would never let anybody do this with anything. I can't right? even think Disney, of a TV show that would like Disney, let you go off for a four-page Disney scene. Mar- yeah, Disney Marvel would not let you make a show that treated these characters this way. And what they're letting James Gunn do by making it hard R is there, ma- you know, it feels more akin to like Deadpool or like these kind of, hard, like people are cursing. It feels like the boys, you know, like the, what yeah. I like about the boys, you know, like that it's like we're, we're, we're existing in a world where yes, there are superheroes and Peacemaker just keeps every episode insulting Batman, insulting Superman. He's just taking the piss out of the DC universe and, and doing so in a way that is so funny and so delightful, but so crass. And from the guy who is like just like kind of a like a, a, a an also ran, you yes. know, like a, like a Suicide Squad member. Yeah. So like he's like not a significant person, but he's just like constantly just like like clobbering Batman, just insulting the, the heroes that we know, which well, I think is awesome. I yeah. love that. Well, I, I love that idea that you can actually build a world that. And this is like I think they like this is what DC kind of has in spades at, at this point, which is sort of like. Love it or hate it. Yeah, it is at least doing what the person who's making it wants to do, totally. and and then it's all about it being acquired taste. Do I like this or do I not like this? And that's okay. Yeah. And like and and it like where I think DC is going to probably worst case scenario give you a B minus. Like this will be I'll get an F, I'll get an A, I'll get like, sure. it's like it's going to be all over the map. But it's like but those A's are so much more fulfilling. Well, they're also like the DC stuff is like they're willing to let them make like the Harley Quinn cartoon that's very hard R. Everything's out of continuity unless they want it to be in continuity. Right. Versus, you know, Marvel, which I feel like is so much more rigid in terms of what you can do with what characters when, because everything is much more lined up and much more prescribed. And it feels a lot more. It feels a lot more thought through in a lot of ways, but in a way it doesn't feel like anybody's over there messing around with stuff like being like, what about this? You know, and coming up with something wild and cool. Yeah, I'm like excited that there is such like I'm looking forward to TV right now. Like I just have been like into 
sitting down with my stories and uh, yeah. enjoying my. Well, uh, it's really I will say like if everything from what we're talking about, like these big kind of tentpole, you know, Marvel, Star Wars, DC stuff, all the way down to like I don't know if you've watched uh, Somebody Somewhere yet, a Bridget no. Everett show that oh, uh, our fantastic. friend Jeff Hiller, yeah. yes, uh, Jeff Hiller, who is a was a New York improviser with us for many years, is giving one of the greatest performances right now on the HBO show Somebody Somewhere that is so funny and so great. It's Bridget Everett's show. Um, uh, Jay Duplass directed and I think maybe produces. It, it's, I think, the uh, under the Duplass Brothers thing. It is terrific. I'm so uh, happy I'm to I'm loving that. that show. I, you know, Jeff Hiller, I uh, produced a show uh, that uh, Donna Furman and Danielle Schneider created called like The Real... Uh, Hot Wives, and it was like a parody of The Real Housewives, and every season was a different season. And Hiller came in and did this character of the wedding planner that oh, was funny. so great yeah. that everyone was like, "We need to do a spinoff of this character." And we started, cool. and we created this spinoff for him, and we shot it, and then everyone at Paramount got fired or something. But it was, but it was like, tr- like he is huh. one of those guys who I feel like has just been sitting. Oh yeah. Like just waiting to kind of let people see how hilarious oh, he, he is. Ex- and when you watch this show, and I urge everybody to watch it, it's on HBO. It is incredible. And Bridget Everett is giving an incredible performance, but he is unbelievable in it. It's so it is such an emotional performance, but it's also very deeply funny. Um, and I think it's uh, the show is terrific. And and I, I haven't finished it, uh, but I'm like, I, I haven't caught up, but it's great. Um, also, Righteous Gemstones right now. Oh, yeah. Um, just That's a show like, that I have to get into. I have not <laughs> I have not uh, ever even watched an episode of it. So, so I have to do that. I would say like some of like the most iconically funny performances happening currently on television are happening on gemstones. Like really? Edie Patterson is and Tim Baltz are doing like shit on that show that I have to assume is improvised and they are geniuses. It is absolute insanity. The show is hysterical. All right, I'm I am now in on that. And uh, it's absolutely worth uh digging into because it's it's really good. And of course, just because of our our, our butler heads, uh I don't know if you have you watched Cop Shop? Gerard Butler, mm-hmm. Frank Grillo. What? Um, no, I didn't even know. It's, it's a movie. It's not a series, it's a movie. Okay. Um it's up on something now. Um and it's 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 pretty fun. It's like it's oh, a Joe Carnahan shoot 'em up nonsense. Yeah, Joe movie. Carnahan's kind of found this sweet spot. Like oh, I told yeah. you, oh, I've seen the poster for this. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm, I'm sure watching this. Yes, yeah. okay. I gotta watch this. So oh, this is now I got a movie. I'm in on this. Gerard Butler, uh Really interesting career that this guy is mapping out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, but like, I also like what Joe Carnahan is doing. Like, Joe Carnahan has now, I think, just gotten this, this vein where he's like, I'm just making these fucking crazy movies that I want to well, make. What's interesting about this one is that, like, he's doing it. It's super stylized, really interesting, but it's essentially Assault on Precinct 13, mm-hmm. essentially in setup. So, as a result, it's actually quite contained. Okay. So I was like, oh, this is a single location sh- movie. Oh, So this is simultaneously, they shot the hell out of it, but also I bet quite inexpensive to make. Well, I mean, uh, what's it called? That's, I, I love, I mean, Boss Level was not, maybe, maybe it was cheap, but I love Boss Level. That was like the other one. The I don't think Hunt. I saw that. Oh, that's oh, one. I, I didn't see I, that. Oh, I've talked about that one on this one. All right, you got to watch Boss Level. Okay. It is uh, on Hulu. It's a movie. It's Groundhog Great. Day. 
Joe Carnahan does Groundhog Day. A guy wakes oh, up okay. and is murdered every morning when he wakes up, and he's uh, like, and, like he's got to figure. Like you know, it's just yeah. okay, great. cool. Like in a way that is insane uh boss level um well jason this has been great uh catching what a delight. up uh, a pleasure as always and um some good news on the how did this get made front i i sent it to you melissa joan hart just signed on for three more uh lifetime christmas movies so we're very excited about we that. celebrate that announcement uh, uh, huge news um, thank god we've all been waiting we, we've been we waiting for wait. that news we cannot wait and now uh the one movie that everyone has been talking to us about uh that we will get to and i want to make sure that you hear it uh, here first is we will get to that moon movie that just came out that Dean Devlin moon movie because every oh, I've moon been fall? Moon is it fall? we've been yeah. inundated I've never I've never gotten more oh really <laughs> about you must do oh, this really movie. you Holy must shit. Okay, and, good. And, and it seems to me to be like really fun and oh, good. really, really dumb. Like oh, it's uh, like perfect. a perfect mix. Uh, All right. So it sounds like a like a geostorm. That's what everyone is basically saying. Great. Uh, All like, right. Literally, when it. when you when you Google moon moonfall, when you Google it, the question that pops up, people also ask, is moonfall a comedy? <laughs> Oh, wow. Oh, cool. Okay, great. Uh, yes. I'm excited for this yeah. now. Uh, as one of the reviewers said, a disaster film that becomes a comedy even if it wasn't intended that way. <laughs> uh, so Holy there you go. Holy shit. That sounds uh, insane. I cannot Amazing. Wait. Okay, All right. great. So perfect, Jason. We will check in next time, and uh, yeah, we'll do it next time. Excellent. All right, that was uh, Jason and, and me. I'm just kind of walking out of it. But anyway, uh, I love talking TV with Jason. <laughs> We got so much to watch, so much to do. Uh, but uh, let's all get into it. And by the way, we didn't talk about the death of Ivan Reitman, who uh, I think is such an influential part of my upbringing and and my love of comedy. Uh, Ghostbusters is such a big. I mean, it is. It's my favorite movie. Uh, and I do want to say, like, you know. What a great way to celebrate Ivan Reitman by uh, going to watch one of his movies this week. I think it's always great to go back and, and do that. I am watching Dave this week because I haven't seen Dave in such a long time. Kevin Klein, Sigourney Weaver, president movie that I won't even tell you the twist. It's a good twist. Uh, it's a good movie. I think it's a good movie. I'm going to watch it again. Anyway, uh, thank you, Ivan Reitman. Uh, you have affected us all. Um, all right. Now that we got Kate and Leopold out of the way, let's talk about next week's movie. We went from a time travel love story, I guess with no sex to an erotic thriller with nothing but sex. That's right. Next week we are watching Killing Me Softly. Here is a short breakdown of the plot. A woman falls in love with a mysterious stranger, but when secrets from his past begins to surface, she finds herself in a bizarre situation from which she can't escape. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes rates this film at 0%. 0%. That's right. And Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian says, turkeys don't come plumper than this. It's jaw-dropping catastrophe of a movie. A gruesome multiple pileup of reputations. I think what this movie is trying to do is be a little bit like uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, but uh, not so much. Let's take a listen to the trailer of Killing Me Softly. Alice lived a perfectly ordered life. I'll be back after lunch. But with one glance, nothing else seemed to matter. What's your name? Alice. Alice. The thing about him is once you've made the jump, there's no discussion. Will you think about me today? 
I'm feeling these things I've never felt before. I gave up all control. I love the way it felt. You can watch uh, Killing Me Softly on Tubi, Pluto TV, and the Roku channel, Apple TV, or Amazon Prime. Or check your local public libraries where you can find the movies for free. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And make sure you rate and review the show. It helps. And if you listen to us on Apple a podcast, follow us. Give us a little follow and visit us uh, on all of our social media platforms. Uh, thank you to the Ambies for nominating us for the best comedy podcast. And thank you to iHeartRadio for getting us the best comedy podcast. We won that shit. Holy moly. Anyway, uh, you can follow us on the Discord at discord.gg slash hdtgm and uh, if you want to hear the archives of the show you want to hear everything for free without commercials you can do that at Stitcher Premium you can get a free one month trial using the code bonkers S-B-O-N-K-E-R-S a big thank you to our super producer Cody Fisher our amazing MVP producer Molly Reynolds of course our audio engineer Devin Bryant of course our publisher July Diaz and we will see you next week for The Great Film Killing me softly.